Hey everyone, welcome to FIRST. Today we are in our final uh, installment of our teaching series, Win at Home. Now I just want to start by saying that this is kind of our last week of doing this format of video interviews as a way for us to bring other insights and opportunities to talk about these topics. Week one, we talked about marriage. Last week, we talked about parenting. And this week, well, let's just say we are talking about something that uh, nobody really likes the church to talk about, yet you go anywhere else in world, society, on social media, lots of people want to talk about. It's the number one thing that studies show that causes stress in the family. It's the number one thing that Jesus talked about more than anything else, and it's the number one idol for a majority of people. And it's also probably the number one thing that you're like, do we really have to go there and talk about this? And the answer is yes, because we care about you, because we love you, because we want you to win at home. Today, we are tackling uh, this idea of finances in our homes. Now, did you know that the average American, studies show, the average American is 90 times richer today than the average individual throughout history. Yet, the average uh, household today uh, only gives to charity 1.3% of their income, whereas even in eras of of economic downturn, such as the Great Depression, uh, houses were giving almost 3.3% of their income. Now, why do I say this? This isn't to guilt you, unless it's working. No, I'm just kidding. But it, it, it is to kind of talk about this idea that as time goes on, we have this tension, we have this battle, this stress with the things in world, in the world, material stuff, our money that, that we hold so tightly onto. And our world does a very, very good job of marketing to that. Get this new house, buy that new car, get a promotion, get more square footage, uh, flush up your 401k as much as you can. And there you will find meaning, you will find identity, you will find value and purpose. Maybe you've been there before. I know I have. I know in, in my life with, with my wife and in my home, we have had struggles over money. What do we do with it? What do we do when we get more? What do we do when we feel like we don't have enough? And it's caused a lot of tension. And so what we are trying to hopefully uh, aid in this series or in this specific topic today is to maybe help us all identify a manner, some tools, some habits, some conversations that will allow us to not feel that tension so much. Chances are, in your home, you have had some sort of maybe discussion, argument, uh, disagreement on, well, what do we do with our paychecks? Maybe it's, what do we do? How do we spend money? How do we know when to upgrade something or not? Or maybe there's been tension of, well, do we give our money away back to the church or another charity or something along along those lines? No matter what, I think it's safe to say for a lot of us, learning to handle money better is something that we would love to do. And I'm a firm believer that having a specific mindset, a Christ-centered view of money and how the Bible talks about going about leveraging it is one of the most beneficial things that we can do. Matthew chapter 6 is one of Jesus' most famous uh, passages about money. He's kind of attacking this idea of materialism because kingdom living is about living for God and others first. He says this in Matthew chapter 6. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew 6. But he says these words. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21, he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters. Either you hate one and love the other, and you are devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. 
kind of what today is going to be about is how do we practically live this out? Jesus makes a pretty quick connection that for a lot of us, our heart can sometimes be torn between God and money. And if we are following after money, 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 finances, finances, finances as the number one priority in our life, what it's going to do is going to cause some trouble, some hardships, some confusion in our homes, in our personal lives, in our relationships, because we find ourselves serving an idol instead of serving the one true God. And so what do we do with this tension, this idea here that when we live in a world where, where money makes things happen, and we're not going to say, like, we all need money. We need to pay rent. We need to pay mortgages. We need to pay for bills. We need money in some ways to live and survive. However, money is also proven to be a fickle, fickle mistress. How do we balance that? So I want to give you a couple thoughts as we start today, and then we're going to have a, one of my friends come over, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some practicals as well. So here's the first thing. Uh, I'm going to write some notes here. And, but the first thing that I want to share, kind of a first note, if you're a note taker, you can write this down. But number one, one of the best things that we can do is have the mindset that God owns everything. He owns all. That's one of the first things that I think is important for us. Psalm chapter 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's, everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And so here's the thing, is, is what if you and your household, what if you viewed your house, your money, your property, your stuff, your cars, everything in it, not as yours, but the Lord's? What if the question changed from, well, what do we have or what do we get to spend? Instead, if we had this viewer mindset that it all belongs to God, doesn't that change the question? The question is no longer, what do I get to spend? Rather, if it belongs to God, the question is, what do I get to keep? I think sometimes we need to get rid of this leftover mentality that we have when it comes to finances in our home. That leftover mentality being that, well, I'm going to manage my own life. I'm going to manage my own household, my own finances first, and then God gets the leftovers, if there are any leftovers. And let's be honest, for a majority of us, there aren't leftovers. The average American today has over $5,000 in credit card debt. Some studies say that, that the average person today living in our world spends 120%. I'm going to write that down. Spends 120% of their monthly income. You know what that means? Is that the average person is spending 20% more money than they have coming in. That is not a good habit. And chances are, if that is you, if that is us, that's going to cause a lot of stress and angst in our lives. We need to remember that we are citizens of heaven, not citizens of earth. You can't take money with you, but you can invest it and use it wisely and properly to minimize some of the angst in your own heart as well as as we follow God. So that's the first thing. The second thing, and I'm just going to write one simple word up here, and it's the B word. It's the word budget. Almost half of people in our world today do not have a budget, meaning they don't really have a full grasp of how much money they make, how much money they are bringing into their household, but what to do with it. And what that says is that you are probably going to, in that motion, going to just be living paycheck to paycheck to paycheck, potato, potato chip, paycheck to paycheck, hoping it's all going to work out. Uh, the book of Proverbs offers a lot of wisdom when it comes to our money. Here's a couple of them. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5. 
5. It says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit, as surely as haste leads to property. Verse 20 of chapter 21 says, The wise store up for themselves food and olive oil. That was their form of currency back then. But fools gulp down theirs. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of all your crops. And so here's just a quick tool, a quick thing of like, what does a budget look like? It's to always try to leverage or use only 100%, but that's not to spend 100%, but to go in this format. I call it the 10, 10, 80. So if you're taking notes, write this down and think of your finances through this line of thinking, 10, 10, 80, that the first 10% that you get into that paycheck, into that bank account is God's. It belongs to God's. God has required us a tithe. Now, if you were to go to the Old Testament, the tithe was not just 10% of your first fruits. There was all of these extra special offerings, all these ways in which you were to be benevolent to the church, to the community. There was these festivals that you would have to give to. And so back in the Old Testament, a tithe wasn't actually just 10%. The first 10%, it also referred to the other basically 10%. So majority of people in Old Testament times to be obedient and faithful to God were living off 90 or, or I'm sorry, 80% of their income or what they were receiving, not 90% as we sometimes think about. So that's the first thing that we do. 10% goes to God, goes to the church to forward his mission. The second 10% ought to go into some sort of saving, storing up for yourself your wealth to hopefully minimize angst in the future. I heard it one time said that wealth isn't how much money you make, it's your ability to keep it as it comes in. And there's a lot of fantastic ways to invest money, to save money. Things like having rainy day accounts and other things that we would love to talk to you further about uh, later on in a couple weeks and, and so on and so forth. But then the other refers to that 80%. Live on that 80%. Make 80% your goal of what you live on. Now, I'll go on to say this, though, is that for a lot of us, that 80% number can be less. It is a goal in my household for me and my wife for that number to be closer to 60% because that way we could be much more generous with what we do have in our life. So there's some basic things that we want to talk about there that as God uses finances in our lives to allow us to live. He wants us to live. He will take care of our needs first and foremost, but that doesn't necessarily mean he is trying to provide for our wants and our desires. But my, my favorite passage about finances comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give to what you have decided on in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a, a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need will abound in every good work. I think is this, if we trust Jesus with our sin, can we not trust his word when it comes to our finances? If we trust the power of God's word about peace and comfort in our lives, can we not trust it when it comes to our wallets? When it comes to this idea of pursuing the wisdom and guidance of the Holy Spirit, can we not also use that to trust that those times in which being smart about our finances is truly what is best for us? 
So here's what the rest of today is going to look, is I'm going to invite uh, my friend over. So come on over, Catelyn. Catelyn's going to join me. Uh, but as she gets settled, we are creating, I'm creating this thing called a Money Matters e-course that we're going to make available to our church for free that's going to give some extra practical tools covering three areas of how do we give sacrificially, save wisely, and spend righteously. So look forward to that here in the new, near future. But Welcome, Catelyn. Thank you. Say hello to your church family. Hi, Do you want to say hi to Ben? Yes, of course. Hi, babe. <laughs> That's her husband uh, and whatnot. And so one of the things we do want to say, uh, again, is we are talking about winning at home. We do not live in the same home. Uh, we have different homes, which means we do have different ways of going about things. And uh, so that's kind of what I think I hope for today is that this will maybe give some insight of just different ways of maybe handling money in the home. Um, you come from a different context. I know you've uh, been in, in the corporate world, business world, and you've got some really, really good insights that I'm looking forward to you sharing with with our church family today. So, uh, so that's a little introduction about you. So uh, anything you want to add? Um, does that cover everything? That's it. That's, that's it. Everything okay. you need to know. <laughs> everything you need to know. That's it. Nothing more ever. You're, great. Okay. Well, let's just rip the bandit off and go to the first question, which is this. So, so practically speaking, just maybe go through what does managing money in your household look like? And um, I know that you have a, a, a degree, you have an, an MBA and that type of stuff. Yep. So you're probably very financially conscious and that type of stuff. So yeah, what does that look like for how that happens in your, in your household? Yeah, so as anybody who knows me knows, I'm a super nerd. Um, every aspect of my life is in an Excel spreadsheet. Power to the nerds, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, anytime I'm talking about a decision or anything, my husband will ask, have you made a spreadsheet about that? Um, yes, 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 I have. <laughs> Already um, done. Check. <laughs> so with that being said, I you know keep the documentation of our yep. budget and things like that. And I just do it within an Excel spreadsheet. I know some people use different apps or programs mm-hmm. or things like that. There's a lot of different ways you can do it depending on you know what works best for you. But Um, The way that we really look at ours is um, we do. We look at our after-tax income Uh um, coming in. We look at all of our required expenses of things, obviously, you know, our mortgage, our power bill, our food expenses, things like that. Um, For things that are variable, like gas expenses Mm, and food and things like that, I always overestimate what our average expense is because, obviously, I'd rather, like, account for too much than Mm -hmm. too little there. Um, and so we put all of our required stuff in there. We're not super detailed in the um, aspect of like, I don't collect receipts or like individually okay. yeah, put sure. in transactions, yeah. but I do check to make sure, you know, that what we're spending is aligned mm-hmm. with what we were anticipating. Mm-hmm. Um, and then anything that's kind of above and beyond um, outside of our required expenses, mm-hmm. then um, we talk about, you know, are there any projects that we know of, upgrades, sure. things yeah. with the house, something like that, mm-hmm. that we need to allocate money for. Um, for us, um, trips and experiences are really important. Okay. So that's part of our like um, discretionary fund as savings for that okay. throughout yep. the year. Yeah. Um, and then other savings and investment. Um, and then one thing I would add that I do specifically um, is I have my paycheck split between multiple accounts. Oh, okay. um, so like my paycheck uh, from my employer, I have 40% of it go to one checking account. Okay. 40% goes to a different checking account in a totally different bank. Okay. And then 20% of it goes into a savings account. And the reason I do that is because then I don't see it all together. And I'm Um, more conservative with my spending if I see lower amounts in in each account. Um, So that's been kind of like a budgetary tip that I've learned. Um, And then I have, you know, different expenses that Mm. auto pay out of different different um, um, accounts to balance it out. No, that's super cool. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. So 
in, in our house, my wife does the finances as well. Not because maybe she's the best. She probably is the best. Honey, you're the best at it. Uh, but uh, I think it, it came because she is probably the most active and wanting to know what's going on and whatnot. So we actually, we did uh, kind of the Dave Ramsey course back in the day and still kind of on that process, the envelope thing. But they actually have an app called Every Dollar, which is kind of that same kind of philosophy of the envelope system, but we don't we live in somewhat of a cashless society right. to some degree. And so that's been super helpful. So if you're looking for an app or tool, uh, every dollar, or there's another one, uh, YNAB, you need a budget. Um, mm. That's also helpful there. But that's, that's some really cool advice. So what is, uh, so like going back, looking back, maybe what's one thing practically that you wish you either would have known sooner or maybe would have adopted when you were younger, when you first started maybe getting a stable uh, stream of income, something like that? I'd say that one thing that I learned over time, and I think it's a very common pitfall for okay. people, is when you're budgeting to plan for the unplanned. Good, yeah. Right? So we know all of our regular monthly expenses that come in, even if they fluctuate, we have averages. Um, but I, I found for myself, and I think a lot of other people forget about things like, oh, the medical expense that right. happens yeah. un, unexpectedly or car repairs or yeah. tires, continuing to buy clothes for kids who <laughs> don't stop growing. Um, things like that that happen like irregularly throughout yeah, the year. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And just, so we look at it kind of on an annual basis yeah. and say, this is about how much we spent last year on these various things. Okay. And then we just budget for that monthly. Gotcha. Even though within an individual month, we may not spend money right. on that right. thing. Um, it just allows overall for us mm. to be kind of banking that money yeah. for those um, unexpected events. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, that that was going to be my answer, so you stole it. Uh, we call that our the rainy day fund or whatever. Mm. Um, and so that goes into, for us, that, that 10, 10, 80, or for us, it's a little bit, uh, that 80 number is lower, which, which we're thankful for. Um, and the other two are a little bit higher. But um, that idea of a rainy day fund, like we did not have until like two years ago. Mm. And there was definitely those times where it's like, when life's going great, you just think, cool, I'm ne- there's not going to be an expense. The refrigerator's not going to go out. But then that stuff, and that stuff's expensive. It is. And so, so that, and then it's just like, well, 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 shoot, what do we do? Do we not eat this week? What? So then you put it on the credit card, and then you forget, well, credit cards have 80% interest. And so it's like this snowball when you're not prepared. So that was the, that was kind of, I still answered it. The other one, though, I think for us was, in starting investing earlier, saving earlier. I think I read a study recently in, in preparation that a uh, dollar saved at age 21 in like a mutual fund, by the time you retire, is worth like 88 bucks or something like that. That sounds about right. <laughs> but that's just crazy. Like $1 yeah. becomes $88. And so how, start now if you haven't. Mm-hmm. If you're young, start now. Like just start putting yep. it away that the, the power of compound interest yes. is, is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, so let, let's shift gears. Um, and so, and, and this next question is not to twist anyone's arm, but I think it's a real part of our life as disciples, as, as a family of God in a church. So when it comes to giving, um, a lot of people, I think sometimes it's like, they don't like to give, they don't want to give, they don't feel like they can give. And it's a journey for everybody. I think Jesus talks about it the most. It's one of the hardest, I think, spiritual disciplines uh, for me and my family, I think majority of people, I think we're quick to maybe read our Bible, to pray, to serve. But when it comes to giving financially, that's sometimes difficult. So, so when it comes to that idea of, of being generous, that, that heart of a joyful giver, how has that maybe changed for you over time? And what might you say to someone who either hasn't experienced that yet, is on the fence, or they've done a little and they want to maybe take another step forward? 
Yeah, so um, I grew up in a household where money was scarce. Yeah. And I, I think it was viewed as a source of fear and stress. Uh -huh. And I carried Absolutely. some of that into my adulthood to where I felt like I needed to hold on to money mm -hmm. um, because what if? Right. What if right. I lost my job? What if something happened? And while we just talked about, yes, you need the rainy day fund, you need the, yep. you know, that, that security for issues that happen, um, I, I found that prevented me from mm -hmm. giving because anytime there was an opportunity, I'm like, oh, but I might need that for my family. Yeah. Sure. Um, and then I would also just, in all honesty, I'd say that I used to have more of a judgmental or critical view on how money might be used if I, sure. yeah. if I gave it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that I that I've learned over time is really mm -hmm. that um, I guess I, I thought that I used to have a mindset of like, well, if I see a need, I can take care of it. I, okay. I'll do it yeah. individually. Yeah. And I've really learned that mm -hmm. organizations and churches, I, I feel like are just more equipped mm -hmm. to, um, to handle those. First of all, you're more attuned to the needs that mm -hmm. individuals might not know about. You're yeah. more equipped yeah. to actually fulfill the needs because Maybe it's you know pooling resources or expertise mm -hmm. in those areas, mm -hmm. being able to connect with the right yeah. um, resources and things like that. So I'd say that has definitely been a shift for me. Cool. Yeah. Um, as far as kind of tips or um, what I'd say to somebody yeah. who who this is new to, I mean, first and foremost is, you know, it's okay to start small. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it sounds mm -hmm. kind of cliche, but it's like if everybody gave a little bit, it really does truly matter. Yeah. Um, whereas if if you have you know, 10 people giving $10, it's a hundred dollars. If mm -hmm. all 10 of those people say, you know, oh, $10 isn't Somebody enough. Somebody else will do it or Well then, whatever. you know, yeah. that's, that's money that, that isn't available. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But I would also encourage, you know, we include any charitable giving is a required expense in our budget. It's okay. its own line item. It's not the after the fact, yeah. you know, oh, what now what we have left over because sure. I think you're more likely to then allocate that somewhere else yeah. or spend it on mm -hmm. your fun money stuff or, mm -hmm. or things like that. Um, so that becomes a required expense. And I think, um, I think we tend to view, obviously money is a finite resource and we yeah. think of it in that way yeah. in the sense that like, if I give it away, I won't have any. Mm. But I think just one thing I've really learned over time about generosity in mm -hmm. general, whether it's money or other things, mm -hmm. is that the more that I pour my cup, the more it is filled. Mm. And I will say that it may not be a one-to-one -one thing. It might sure. not be that yeah. I'm giving money and I'm getting money, right. Right. but I have learned you know, that God does not leave mm. us empty. Yeah, no, that's super good. It's, I mean, and it's, it's tough. I love what you said that, that starting small is, is a great place. You know, I think sometimes we see that, that command of 10% and it's like, whoa, like, and I think, you know, uh, and for, for our household, when I was like first in ministry and I think like my first like annual salary was like less than $25,000, like giving 10% actually was easier because it's like, I don't know, it's like a couple hundred bucks, here you go, type of deal, right? But then, like, as time goes on and you make more, and that number rises, yeah. like that's, and, and I think so many of us, one of the biggest struggles um, I think we have, not, not in a bad way, but as we make more money, uh, if we if we're, have the, yeah. the ability to, maybe I should say that's never a given, we also want to raise our standard of living at that same rate. Yes. And sometimes it begins to outpace it, and that can cause a lot of, a lot of angst, but that, that's super good. Yeah. So, so yeah, and so you, you kind of mentioned that, that growing up, you, you were in a home in which money was, since it was scarce, it created a lot of tension. Um, and then, you know, but even people with a lot of money, if, if you've got a big house and big mortgages and boat payments or all that, none of that's like inherently wrong or evil. So know me when we say that. Um, 
but it can so so it can always still create tension. Is there anything that you have learned um, to help maybe alleviate that or keep that from maybe getting too strong of a hold in your life? You know, I think it's just a consistent message that we've heard in other um, prior weeks of this series is communication yeah. is key. Um, you know, communicating about why we need to save for certain things or, um, you know, when expenses have changed or just being on the same page mm. and working towards mm. common goals yeah. financially um, as well as, you know, just having an agreement about what is reasonable, yeah. you know, <laughs> discretionary spending and things like that so that you know when you need to mm-hmm. say, hey, I, this is something I, I want to spend yeah. money on rather than having the argument after the fact. Right. Um, but I also think it's important not to micromanage each other sure. in, in a yeah. marriage, in a household, like having financial freedom mm-hmm. is, is mm-hmm. important um, and having that flexibility. And, you know, just as an example, I think in our earlier days of our marriage, because I managed the finances, I did all aspects of it to the point where I wasn't necessarily communicating with my husband about, Mm -hmm. you know, this is like he, back then he wouldn't have been able to tell you like the total amount that our monthly expenses were, Mm -hmm. um, let alone if, you know, oh, this bill went up and now it's more or there's changes and things like that. And I found that that caused tension because then he wouldn't necessarily understand Mm. why I was frustrated that he went out to lunch or something like that. It's like, no, I'm eating frozen meals. (laughs) um, So again, I think that's just something- We're on ramen. You didn't know that? I think that's just something we've learned over time is is that importance of of communicating Mm -hmm. and being on the same page because it's not to say that you're not going to have financial stresses Mm -hmm. or, you know, times where money is tighter, but- Mm -hmm. If you're in it together and you're yeah. communicating about that and working together, it's much easier. Yeah. Do you guys, you mentioned like the, it's funny, like we've never really talked a whole lot about finance, but you talk about, you use the term fund money, you use <laughs> the term discretionary. Uh, those are two terms that we use in our household. Uh, do you guys have, I'm just curious, like a number of how much you can spend without talking to the other? You know, we've talked about it over time and I can't say that we currently have an exact dollar amount. Yeah. Um, I'd say, you know, we have some general understanding of things okay. that would be like, mm, I should probably, <laughs> probably check before probably I check on that one. Check out yeah. that Amazon cart. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, Amazon's, I mean, it's tricky. It just, stuff just shows up magically yeah. at your house. You know, what are you going to do? Yes. No, it does. Well, cool. No, that's all, all been super helpful. Um, so yeah, I guess last question, any like final piece of either practical advice or it could be one or multiple things of just like practical advice, wisdom when it comes to either, um, maybe feeling more open-handed for, or for not creating tension in our life with another when it comes to, to, to winning at home with our finances? Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I could go on and on about various tips for, like, budget shopping. Yeah. And, you know, um, I'm the queen of, like, the clearance shopping and buying used things and yeah. all of that stuff. But ultimately, you know, what I would say is, is most important is to evaluate what is your view mm. on money? How do That's you good. view it? Um, do you view it as a tool for a transaction or is it something that defines you and your worth? Because I think it's important for us to remember that God is bigger than any bank account. And, um, you know, we have to put our trust Mm -hmm. in him to take care of things for us. Um, And it wouldn't be, you know, I I have in true Catlin fashion, I have to reference a song. Okay, go for it. You know, I have to. Let them have it. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, you know, when I was thinking about the topic today, one of the songs um, that we have sang here at at, um, First that struck me over the years Mm -hmm. and that has grounded me and really is a good reminder is the song Crowns. Yeah. Um, And the lyrics of that song just came to my head. um, And the the last verse of that song uh, says, 
And when I stand in glory, my crowns before the Lord, let this be my confession. My wealth is in the cross. And I just pray that that could be a true and honest confession Mm -hmm. for me in my life. Super good. I think that that's our, our heartbeat for our church as well, too, as best we can. For you watching this wherever you are, Champaign-Urbana online, that our desire is for our entire church body to, to emulate it. And that's kind of how we go. We are very transparent as best, best we can be with where, you know, giving to the church goes. We try to keep people up to date of, like, here's mission partners. Here's what's happening. Here's what's going on. Um, and so, but I think when we talk about money here, that's kind of what we strive to is, like, we don't talk about money because, like, the church needs your money. That's always one of the biggest things. Like, uh, for us, it's like, no, like, the church, does the church need money to in order to operate and do things in ministry? Like you said, absolutely. If everybody gave 10%, like, we could eradicate, like, hunger throughout the world, all that type of stuff. Not First Christian Church alone, but you know what I'm saying, like, the church at large. But... Um, it's our desires is that greater obedience of that Jesus and Jesus alone is on the throne of our hearts. And so, yeah, if I was saying, what's a piece of practical advice or wisdom, like to Jesus juke everybody, I guess, is to kind of be like, man, let Jesus like have control of your heart and, and give everything to him. Don't just give him your time. Don't just give him your talents. Give him your, your money and your resources too. And um, he will surprise you over and over and over again of how much he is faithful to take care of you. So awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing with us, taking part of your day. And hopefully this has been helpful uh, for those of you here watching. Thank you for uh, joining in for us in this teaching series, Win at Home. Uh, We look forward to continuing to worship with you uh, today's service. Next week, we are kicking off a brand new teaching series for like 20-something weeks through the book of 1 Corinthians, so that's going to be a fun one. And so uh, let's continue to worship today as a church family.